0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 8, Season 1 of Centuries and Saints. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast this episode. Now, last time we were together, we looked at the history and the theology of the movement of monasticism, which had its beginnings in the patristic age of the church, which we've been studying. Now, for this episode, and as we get close here to wrapping up the early age of the church... We are going to be looking at one of the most well-known church fathers, doctors of the church. He was from the Latin West, and I am referring to Aurelius Augustinus, better known as Saint Augustine, or if you prefer the other pronunciation, Saint Augustine. We're going to do a little bit of an intro here and then get into some of the specifics of his life. Uh, One episode on a podcast was not sufficient to do him justice. He was a massive, massive influence on the church. But we will tackle sort of a 30,000-foot view and do our best to get an overview of the life and the ministry of St. Augustine. Now, he was born on November 13th in the year 354 in a city called Tagaste in a region called Numidia. Now this is the modern day city of Souk Ahras in the modern day country of Algeria there in northern Africa. And he died 75 years later on August 28th 430 in a city called Hippo Regius in Numidia or the modern day city of Annaba in the country of Algeria. Now that's why he is called Augustine of Hippo. A hippo uh, was a seaport. So if you ever come across that, that's why you'll hear him called that. Now, Augustine's father was a heathen. He was a pagan, uh, was not a believer in Christ. But Augustine's mother, Monica, she was a Christian. And because of the fame of Augustine's story in life, Monica has come to be respected as one of the great women in church history. She was a prayer warrior she prayed for years and years for her son to come to Christ and never gave up. And so Monica is a great example for all of us of faithful, effective, fervent prayer, as James talks about in his epistle. Now for Augustine, uh, a prolific author, and among his most notable works of literature um, is his Confessions and also The City of God. Now, the Confessions is notable. Number one, if you've ever read it, it reads somewhat like a journal of him lamenting his sins, crying out to God, all of these things. But Confessions also is unique because it was the first literary work that is sort of in the form of our modern-day biography. So biographies, autobiographies, excuse me, back in that day, they were not really a thing. So that kind of started in the way that we know it today with St. Augustine. And then the City of God is a massive, massive work, huge work, and you can pick it up today. And he talks there about the City of God, of course, being heaven, contrasted with the City of Man, comparing and contrasting the world system with with God's truth, with heaven. Very, very huge, huge work. There, And he was in that work tackling... Uh, some of the spiritual battles that he was fighting over the day, and we'll get into that. Now, as well, Augustine helped to formulate and codify the biblical doctrine and truth of original sin in the way that you and I understand it today. Okay, also in the way that the Roman Catholic Church understands it as well. Okay, that we all inherit sin in the sin nature from Adam. Okay, so we're born and conceived into sin. Now, as well, Augustine lived through some tumultuous times. In fact, the western half of the Roman Empire began to collapse in his lifetime. And when Alaric and the Visigoths came and sacked Rome and all of that, they did that huge conquest. uh, Apparently, when they got to Augustine's part of the empire there in Numidia or modern-day Algeria, The barbarians were at the gate of the city, so to speak, when he passed away. So he died, according to church history, literally just hours before his city was overrun by vandals. So it's pretty amazing, pretty tumultuous life that he lived. And as well, Augustine, going back to the city of God, uh, he began to develop a concept of the Roman Catholic Church as the spiritual city of God here on earth in contrast, again, with the earthly city, which was the world, materialism, greed, and sin, and all of that. So, a very creative and, again, very prolific author. Now, fun fact, uh, Augustine is the patron saint of brewers, printers, theologians, the alleviation of sore eyes, as well as the patron saint of many cities and many church dioceses. So, Uh, His influence still extends today all over the place. In addition to that, he is also considered, at least by Protestants, to be one of the originators of understanding what are called the doctrines of grace, or better known today shorthand as the five points of Calvinism. And so both John Calvin and Martin Luther in the Reformation were greatly, greatly influenced by Augustine's theology and his views on sin. Now, there is debate in church circles between Protestants and Catholics as to what St. Augustine's view of election and predestination was. Uh, Protestants claim that Augustine was sort of the forerunner of the Calvinistic view of election. Uh, Roman Catholic theologians would differ with that. Uh, That is up to you to decide for yourself. That's a huge issue. Um, But both sides claim Augustine sort of as their chief theologian, in a sense. In addition, Augustine was a, a big supporter of monasticism, and he also laid down the basic principles of what he called just war for the Catholic Church, that at times, Based upon things that we see in the Old Testament, there is justification for God's people, for Christians, for the church, to wage war. And then several centuries later, that was used to help justify the Crusades. Now, for me personally, I disagree with Augustine there. Um, I think Jesus was pretty clear for us as individual Christians that we are to love our enemies and not use violence. Now, as far as secular governments that are not the church, that can be argued, and that's a different story. But as far as the church goes, as the church of Christ, we are called not to wage war, but rather to lay our lives down for others. Now, Augustine also taught that good works could not save a person. It was Christ's merit and sacrifice that could do that. Okay, So again, this is another reason why many Protestants today sort of claim Augustine as their chief theologian. And indeed, he was a huge influence on the Reformers, like Martin Luther and John Calvin and others. Now, to some specifics in Augustine's life. When he was a young man, he was, by his own admission, overtaken by sexual lust. Okay, so when he was young, he fell in love with a girl He lived with her for 13 years, and they even had a son together, but they never married. Okay, so he lived in fornication, in sin with this woman for many, many years. He found that sexual temptation was his greatest weakness. Something that he fought against, something into which he fell a lot. And it was something that he failed to overcome. It was a besetting sin That for years he failed to overcome until one day the Lord saved him. And he outlines his struggles with sexual sin and temptation in the Confessions, and I recommend you all read it. Now, his story of conversion is interesting. Uh, Based upon his own writings and his own words, one day he was in a garden, sitting on a bench of some sort, and he heard what sounded to him like the voice of a little child saying this two-word phrase it's a latin phrase tola lege tola lege which in english means take up and read take up and read and he felt like he was hearing this voice because the holy spirit was telling him to take his bible and open it up and to read and so augustine obeyed he opened up his bible and he sort of did the just open up and see where i land method of bible reading And apparently he landed on that verse in Paul, in Paul's letters, where Paul writes not in fornication and lasciviousness, not in debauchery and sexual immorality, and that convicted him. And he felt the power of God enter into his life, free him from his bondage, and save him, make him born again, as we would say. So it's somewhat of a dramatic and miraculous conversion story. But converted he was, and he walked faithfully with the Lord from that point on. Now, he also spent a long season of his life involved with the Manichaeans. Okay, now, this was before his conversion, um, but the Manichees, like the Gnostics, they were an ancient heresy, which was condemned by the church, and they taught, like Gnosticism, that the spiritual was good, but the physical was was evil. It also taught that man, through prayer and through the abstinence of enjoyments of evil, and they considered things like riches, lust, wine, meats, luxurious houses, etc., to be evil. Some of that is evil, but things like meats and wine, that's not evil. But they taught that by abstaining from all of those things, one could free themselves from the good, or from the bad, pardon me and they could enjoy simply the good. So again, it was this idea of trying to free your spirit, your soul, from your body, freeing the spiritual from the physical. Now, they also had a Gnostic Christology, which was blasphemous and heretical, which again basically meant that they believed that Jesus, when he came to earth, did not actually incarnate. He did not actually come in human flesh, because human flesh, of course, was evil, as they thought. So they believed Jesus only came spiritually, right? Now that heresy is refuted in the book of 1 John, where the apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes that whoever denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is Antichrist and does not have the Father or the Son. Okay, so he was with this group for about nine years, and they were a heretical group. But again, God saved him out of all of this. Okay, so the Manichees did not believe in Christ's sufferings and atonement for sin. For the Manichees, and just like for many people today, Jesus was a great example. His death was a great example of, of self-sacrifice, but not salvific. They did not believe that Jesus' death actually atoned for our sins. Okay, and again, that's a heresy that's alive and well today. Um, a lot of more liberal Christian Quote unquote, I would argue they're not Christian, but liberal Christian groups have gone that direction, as well as other cults and other religions who view Jesus' sacrifice as a great example, but that's all. But as Christians, we know from Scripture and from church history uh, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, yeah, it was a great example of submission to the Father's will and of laying down one's life for others selflessly. But it was far more than that. It was an effective atoning sacrifice, a salvific sacrifice. His death and resurrection save us from our sins. Okay. It was so much more than just an example. Now, Augustine as well, just before his conversion, was greatly influenced by the preaching and teaching of the other famous church father, whose name starts with an A from this time, Bishop Ambrose of Milan. A wonderful man of God, an incredible preacher and teacher and theologian. And the Holy Spirit used Ambrose's preaching and his rhetorical style to really speak to Augustine. Because Augustine, again, this was before his conversion. He was deeply influenced by philosophy and rhetoric and all of that from his day. And Ambrose, because of his brilliance and learning, was able to present the truths of God in a rhetorical style that really ministered to Augustine and really captured his attention. So the Holy Spirit used Ambrose to help bring Augustine to faith. Now, fast forward a little bit to after Augustine's conversion, and we see that one of the huge theological issues in his day was the conflict between the Donatists and the established Catholic Church. Now, the Donatists, they were of movement, started by a man named Donatus, and they believed that the church had g- compromised, had sold out, so to speak, by allowing immoral men to be bishops and priests, and that the Donatists actually themselves were the true spiritual authority. Okay? So they were trying to sort of upset the authority of the Catholic church in their day. Now, this conflict raged on for some time, and this is what eventually led Augustine to his doctrine of just war, or righteous war. Augustine taught that force could be used in religious conflicts in order to cause the sinners to see the correctness of the view of their opponent, right? Now, again, like I said earlier at the beginning of this episode, I do not agree with the idea of just war for us as Christians. Again, governments are a different story, but as far as the church goes, the church is not to be engaged in military conflict. Now, I also understand that back in this day, given the realities of history, the church and government were basically one and the same. They were inseparable. Okay, So not all of this perfectly transfers over to our modern day. But we still see the principle uh, that ideas have consequences. It's a basic truth of humanity. And different conflicts in different eras of church history can have far-reaching consequences. Again, Augustine, no doubt, uh, from a heart of trying to follow the Lord and do what he thought was right, his theory of just war uh, led again to the justification by the church centuries later of the Crusades, which were terrible. And for, at least in my opinion, there is no justification terrible. Okay, so as Christians, again, this reminds us that we need to walk wisely and circumspectly, and we have to remember that our actions and our words and the things that we preach and teach, they have an impact, and sometimes their impact is far, far greater than we could ever imagine. Now, on a more positive note, one of Augustine's biggest contributions to Christianity came from his views and his teachings on the human condition, God's grace, and salvation. Now, in a very famous battle in church history, uh, there was a teacher, a British monk, named Pelagius, and he opposed Augustine. Okay, Now, Bruce Shelley, famous church historian, again, his book, Church History in Plain Language, I recommend it, he wrote this, quote, What did Pelagius teach to arouse Augustine's vigorous opposition? Pelagius denied that human sin is inherited from Adam. Mankind, he said, is free to act righteously or sinfully. Moreover, death is not a consequence of Adam's disobedience. Adam indeed introduced sin into the world, but only by his corrupting example. There is no direct connection between his sin and the moral condition of mankind. Almost all the human race have sinned, But it is possible not to sin, and some people have in fact lived without sin. God predestines no one, except in the sense that he foresees who will believe and who will reject his gracious influences. His forgiveness comes to all who exercise faith alone. But once forgiven, man has power of himself to live pleasing to God. Thus, Pelagius found no real need for the special enabling power of the Holy Spirit, his idea of the Christian life was practically the Stoic conception of ascetic self-control, end quote. In other words, to condense all that down, this British monk Pelagius taught that men and women, that we, although, yeah, most of us have sinned, we did not inherit sin from Adam. We were born basically as a blank slate, okay, and that Basically, we can just choose in and of ourselves without any help or grace from the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus and to believe. And that once saved, you and I can also live the Christian life without the special enabling of the Holy Spirit. So basically, Pelagius just took everything relating with grace and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and said, no, it's not true. Okay, now that made Augustine very angry Uh, Augustine, of course, had a deep, deep reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Again, so much so that uh, Protestants still today uh, claim that Augustine was the first one to teach the points of Calvinism, basically. That that's how desperately dead in sin we are, and that's how reliant on the Holy Spirit, both for regeneration and sanctification we are. Okay, So uh, Pelagius was condemned by the church Of course, and Augustine certainly came out the victor in that battle, praise the Lord, uh, because Augustine certainly was on the right side theologically of that conflict. And Augustine had this deep sense of how much of a sinner he was. He knew how much he had been saved from and how bad he was. And he really appreciated how marvelous God's grace and salvation in his own life was. And so he taught that man was really unable of doing anything to please God or to save himself and that man needs the Holy Spirit to be saved and that we need the Holy Spirit moment by moment to live the Christian life. And all of us, I think Roman Catholic, Protestant, and Eastern Orthodox would all say amen to that. None of us would disagree with that. Augustine, finally to close out, he's also the one who said this famous and I love this, he said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in, in thee, O Lord. As well, Augustine, as he was interpreting Psalm 37, 4, which says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Augustine is famous for having said in response to that, quote, love God and do whatever you want. And the reason he said that, is because he believed that if we truly are delighting ourselves in the Lord, walking with the Lord and loving the Lord deeply, truly, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that then the Lord puts his desires on our hearts. And that way, our desires, the things on our hearts, those are there from God. Those are God's desires. So we can love God and then do whatever is on our heart. Because what's on our heart will be from God. I love that. It's a great picture of our intimate walk with the Lord. And then finally, to close up this podcast, I want to recommend to you guys a song by my favorite band, Switchfoot. And it's from one of their first albums, New Way to Be Human, way back in 1999. And the song is called Something More. And they wrote that song based upon the story of St. Augustine. It's a great song. So check it out, Switchfoot, a song called Something More. Highly recommend it, of course. Well, guys, that is a wrap for episode eight here of Centuries and Saints, looking at the life and times of St. Augustine. Again, uh, what an incredible life he lived. It's very difficult to do it justice on a short podcast episode, but hopefully this at least gives you a 30,000-foot overview of his life and ministry and the absolutely essential contributions that he made to our understandings of theology and philosophy, and of the scripture. And so, God bless you guys. Thank you for tuning in, and stay tuned as we continue to release more episodes and more content. And please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It helps to get the word out. And so, may the Lord bless all of you. And for this time, for Centuries and Saints, I am Scott Matson. God bless you. your plan